So, Gunnar, how's it going? Uh, great. I, uh, I, I enjoyed a, a solar eclipse today. Your eyes are intact and not, nothing uh, burned out? Yeah, I spent uh, this morning's pipeline call uh, doing a little arts and crafts. I, uh, I grabbed a cereal box and uh, put the aluminum foil on it, poked a hole in there, and uh, sure enough, uh, it works as advertised. Uh, had a little, it was like watching a little movie of a very slow eclipse happening. And so I had to, <laughs> a little bit like waiting for water to boil. I kept, uh, I kept looking into the little projector box, waiting for the sun to be, uh, to be eclipsed. Um, not a big show down here. I mean, we had, to, I think 60, between 60 and 70% coverage. So, mm. uh, I just got to see a little banana, basically tiny little banana uh-huh. at the bottom of my cereal box. How, how was it for you? Uh, it was, yeah, I think we got to like 80% mm-hmm. and, uh, it was like, it seemed to be like all sunny and then eerily dark in mm-hmm. the middle of the afternoon, but not like, it, you know, it was like somebody turned, it was like the sun was on like a dimmer switch and <laughs> it was like, like dialed back about maybe 20%, but it was still bright when you look up and look at it. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. And it was fun. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. So what else is going on? Uh, let's see. Have I told you about my, my iPad experiment? Yeah. We, we talked about it a little bit, but, uh, catch us up on, on the details. Yeah, sure. So, uh, success so far. Um, yeah. I guess I'm on week two now of the, uh, of the experiment or maybe week three and, uh, man, it's been great. Uh, turns out you can, uh, you can, if I, at least I can effectively do my job off a tablet now, uh, which is very exciting. Um, yes. and so, uh, many less cords and junk to carry when I travel. Um, battery life is great. Uh, yeah, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled. I can strongly and the screen's it. big enough for you. Yeah. 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 The screen's not as big obviously as a, uh, like a full blown, you know, 15 inch laptop or a 13 inch laptop or whatever. I think I got a 13 mm-hmm. inch before and now it's a 10 and a half inch screen. I got the 10 and a half inch iPad pro and, uh, plenty fine. It's plenty good. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more than happy to sacrifice that real estate, uh, in order to, you know, have it fit in an airplane tray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm like, I don't know. I, I got the tablet and I travel a lot with the Chromebook and my phone and all that, but the tablets are great because they're like mostly battery. Mm -hmm. And so they last so long It's it's, you know, you don't, you don't get that, um, phobia of, of, you know, finding an outlet all the time and all that, it could just last all day. It's wonderful. Well, that's right. And, it, and, you know, I carry around the, uh, the travel battery like you do. Um, and mm-hmm. you can't try, you can't charge your laptop off a travel battery, but you can definitely charge your tablet off a travel battery. So that helps too. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, I, I thoroughly endorse it and I'm excited for the next version of iOS to come out. Um, have you heard about this uh, new feature they got in there? Oh, they hit uh, so many times to lock the police out? Yep, yep, the cop button. That's right. Um, yeah. And so you hit the home key five times or whatever it is, and uh, it prevents the touch ID from working, and so it'll flip you over to a keypad for a certain amount of time. Hmm. Which is which would be great, I guess, if I was a agitator. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, or, you're up to, yeah. yeah, if I was up to, or, or, or crossing a border, for example. Yep. Yep. So looking forward to foiling some, uh, some customs officers. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like looking for it now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come on. Fight me. Act all shifty in the, <laughs> That's uh, right. TSA oh. line. Yeah. I'll just sit there and start sweating for no reason. See what they see if they can get into my business. 
Anyway, so what's going on with uh, what's going on with Lauren? Is it she's she's off now, right? Yeah, she dropped. We dropped her off this last weekend, and it's funny. Like with our our dog uh, today, uh, he was like s- sitting outside Lauren's room, like like at the you know the door. Her bedroom door was closed, and he was just like sitting there. I took a picture of him, and he just looked so sad. Just like like wait, there's it, and he's like scratching to get in there and. Um, we got in there and then it's like, he started walking in and, uh, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, there's nobody in there. And, and so he's like, Oh, she has to be on the bed. So I put him up on the bed and it's like, there's nobody there. And so it was like, Oh, it's heartbreaking. That's rough. Yeah. And and so do you find yourself, are you, are you, uh, are you investing any of your own emotions in the dog? In other words, like, are you letting the dog play your emotions out for you? I think so. You know, some of it's a reality check where, um, and, and so, you know, it was like, I thought I would be all teared up and everything leaving, uh, you know, dropping her off, but she was like, yep, so I'm good to go. And, uh, you know, wave goodbye and, and she was off doing her thing. So she's like really excited and, and busy. Uh, so I'm excited for her. I, you know, we were worried that she'd be nervous about meeting new friends and everything, but, yeah. uh, she seemed to be doing good. 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 I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm very glad to hear that. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. The other thing is, so when you travel and stuff, do you use Waze or like Google Maps or, or what's your navigation uh, app of choice? I actually had a rideshare uh, driver give me a hard time about not using Waze uh, recently. And uh, yeah. uh, I don't know why he cared so much, but he was very passionate about my using Waze. And frankly, I Google Maps gets me where I want to go. Um, so yeah. I have not explored my alternatives. Yeah. Yeah, I've been a, a Waze fan for a very long time, but then I, you know I got a car that had Android Auto in it, and it mm. didn't have like I could do navigation with Google Maps, but Waze finally came to Android Auto, so that's like kind of nice. Where you know for me the big thing with Waze is like getting like reports of like oh there's like debris on the road or there's you know a, a speed trap ahead or something or or a red light camera, mm-hmm. and um, so that, like I've that has like saved my bacon many times so it's nice to have that back um but it's it's interesting as a a very 1.0 sort of thing that it's the map doesn't look as clean as google maps it's Mm -hmm. just uh, a lot more aliased and not as uh well rendered for like that type of screen but i'm sure it'll just get better in time yeah 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 um so what is the android auto experience is it just that you have android apps available in the car or is it does it interact with your Mm -hmm. phone yeah it does so and it's weird because you would think that you could do everything over Bluetooth with Android Auto, but mm-hmm. it it's I think it it does audio over Bluetooth, but you have to have it plugged into your car, like in the USB port of your car, for it to send data back and forth. Uh-huh. But you could think of Android Auto as being um, a screen extension of your uh, of your phone. Mm-hmm. So, like in my case, I'll get in the car. I you have to unlock your phone, you plug it in. Uh, to the USB port, and then you just like it'll turn itself off the screen, and then you engage with in and it intentionally doesn't let you use the phone um, at all. Uh, you you do all of your uh, engagement through the the your head unit in your car, mm-hmm. um, and you can only use the apps that it provides. So it doesn't provide all the apps. So, um, but for like the podcasting apps that I use and the audio apps I use and Google Play Music, that's all there. Um, it does like Google Maps. It does Waze. 
Um, it, and it's pretty nice and like phone dialing and stuff is good, but still the problem that I have is that as somebody like, and we'll talk about scheduling later, but like, it doesn't remind me, it doesn't do a good job of reminding me of, of calendar appointments. So I really worry about like driving somewhere for a long time and then having recurring conference calls and being able to look up passcodes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like I can really just keep on driving and I would never get the reminder. Um, so I'm sure that has to be something that would get fixed given that, you know, a lot of people that uh, drive and work and stuff, they want their appointments to pop up on the, the head unit to say, Hey, you got a call coming up and you know, how do you want to handle it? Right. Right. Huh. Yeah, well, and then you, there's yeah, sounds, there's well, it's safe. It sounds safe, right? It is. It's yeah. you know, it is much more safe than you know. You're not going to be looking at text messages or um, things like that. And and if I did get text messages, it would come in, and same with Google Hangouts and all that. And um, it would say that oh, you got a text message from Lauren, and I could hit a play button, and it'll do text to speech, and then it'll say, do you want to reply? And then you could say yes, and you could dictate a, a, a reply, and it'll text that back uh, to her. So oh, okay. that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Huh. Yeah, but I think that, you know, that I think that's really good because um, I, I think it's so easy to get in trouble, like, looking at your phone too much and, you know, getting distracted and getting into an accident and all that. So it's just so dangerous. Yeah, it is a temptation, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right, man. Well, let's uh, let's get this thing rolling. What are, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, repurposing. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'll be repurposing voices and videos and keystrokes and pacemaker programming. Oh, that's good. This sounds like a classic episode already. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that's great. And so if, uh, if folks want to link to uh, some information about uh, maybe Android Auto uh, or maybe uh, they want to make their own pinhole camera, uh, what website should they go visit? They want to go to dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Nice. All right. Um, and on the cutting room floor, we got a, we got a, a ghostly theme. Mm-hmm. Yep. This yep. Week. We got uh, ghostly radio stations, uh, ghostly Twitter number stations. We have ghastly uh, fashion design choices <laughs> and uh, Leo Tolstoy's macaroni and cheese recipe from 1874. Nice. Very strong. He's famous for his mac and cheese. I do remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's in Wikipedia, right? It's <laughs> like the lead, the lead paragraph. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Um, so let's see. So previously, we've talked about uh, all different kinds of ways of tracking our activity. You know, quantified self was a thing that people mm-hmm. were talking about. Um, you recently discovered a new and uh, I'll charitably say unexpected way of quantifying oneself. Yeah, yeah. So and look. Uh, let me know, is this biometrics or not? And so let, let me describe it, and you tell me if this is a, a proper definition or a classification of biometrics. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's some researchers in Japan. They have figured out how to identify people by how they uh, spin the uh, the toilet paper roll in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, I guess... I don't, well, okay, so I guess you could have a philosophical conversation about what exactly biometrics might mean, because I, when I think about biometrics, I think about something that I have rather than something I'm doing, right? Or um, is it, yeah, something so like, you are? Yeah, or, something, something, yeah. something I am, right? I, not something I can 
not something I can control behavior. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's something you, something you are, right? So it's your fingerprint or your eyes, um, or your face or something like that. Right. Um, yeah, this is a little bit like, like your, gate. your gate is considered gate, yeah. a biometric, right? Okay. But, yeah. Uh, well, I guess if gate is a, is a biometric, then, yeah, if gate's a biometric, mm-hmm. then uh toilet paper roll is definitely a biometric, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause in the video, it's like it, there are people that it's like, Oh, well they, they pull it so many times or they, they grab an end and then they start like wrapping it around. And, and um, there's all these, I didn't know there were so many different techniques that people could do. And maybe it's a Japan thing. I, I don't know. I was going to say there's an easy Japan joke to make in here, which I'm not going to make, but <laughs> um, so what was the, uh, what were their conclusions? Yeah. So what they did was they put a uh, Bluetooth gyroscope inside the toilet roll. Hmm. And, um, and what they want to do is, I, I don't know what they want to track, but I think what they want to do is like, if they wanted to do some sort of like consistent measuring of like, oh, how much is this person in the bathroom uh, mm-hmm. during work hours? Mm-hmm. Or um, this person made a certain deposit at a particular time that has a certain characteristic and we want to... <laughs> Um, we want to correlate that, but not necessarily, uh, but make it, uh, anonymous in terms of identification. Right. So like they want to say that, oh, well, um, so you, you know, people will use the bathroom and you can count the number of flushes, but is that the same person or is it, uh, different people all the time? And how do you quantify that? And they wanted to use this as a way to, to do some sort of correlation, uh, with the bathroom. I'm thinking consumption pricing. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Yes. Or, yeah. Or, or, um, you know, if you're using too much paper or something, they could yeah. do a charge back or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. I feel like this isn't going to improve, but, uh, so they, so they put the gyroscope in there and based mm-hmm. on, I guess, uh, speed, volume, number of rotations, uh, maybe even frequency, right. If they're double mm-hmm. dipping, um, yep. then they can kind of, it, so, so your toilet paper behavior is basically an identifying characteristic is what they learned. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So they said that, um, the, the more times a person spun, the more accurate the identification got. And they said that for a five person group, uh, in a practical environment, I don't know what that means. Um, the researchers say that the average accuracy was 69.2%. And then in the laboratory environment, someone whose habit was to pull the roll four times would be correctly identified 92.5% of the time. <laughs> was any of that attributable to the fact that somebody was pulling the roll four times in a sitting? <laughs> it, it could be. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, oh, there that guy goes. Again. <laughs> uh, nothing good can come of this. Nothing good can come of this. I, uh, I appreciate. Well, actually, here's my first question. Who's funding this research? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Yeah, the the National Toilet Paper Council, or I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Or like, or some like some radical Charmin research arm, like something like that. I don't know. Yep. I wonder if I wonder if uh, one ply versus two ply uh, interferes with the data. Yep. yep. It, it could be. Maybe it I could be correct for that because you got to double up. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Do the Jersey yeah. roll. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. Say so let's let's save ourselves from from this line of uh, questioning. Uh, what else? What else we got? Jim Wildman. Some news from Jim Wildman, right? Yeah. So he sent us. Um, the, there was a um, 
Radio Lab episode uh, called Breaking News mm. that talked about um, making fake news based upon like source input of people's videos. Where so like if you can do like a, a speech by President Obama or President Trump, uh, and if you have a long enough sample set, you could come up with your own video that would uh, that that you could have that character make anything. Uh, make them say whatever you want, given an, a large enough corpus of of input. Right, right. And I remember I, I I heard this episode; it was great. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of ethical considerations that that we'll get into in a second. But they they did a they showed a recording. They played a recording of uh, I think it was an Adobe event um, mm -hmm. because this is not like research lab workbench stuff. This is like commercial software that you can buy for real. Um, which is basically, I think Adobe sells it as Photoshop for audio. Um, so you can type in, you have a corpus, you can type in the words, and those words will be said by the person uh, from whom you got the corpus. Um, yeah. So you could actually take all the Dave and Gunner show episodes, throw them into the corpus, and make either you or I say anything that you can type. We could do infinite episodes. Yeah, actually, I'm, I, yeah. Suddenly, I'm liking the sound of this because actually, we could retire. Yeah, we yeah. could retire. We could just write out the episodes. We, we, could, we, could, have, we could have someone else write the episodes for that matter, and just, <laughs> just run into the franchise. You know, long after yeah. we're dead, we'll be making, uh, you know, <laughs> raking in the raking in the uh, sponsorship bucks. Um, but the but the, the 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 episode focused rightfully on the ethical considerations of this, where um, if uh, if you can make the president say anything. Um, with uh, relatively simple, uh, relatively simple software now. It, just like we no longer really trust photographs because we know that they can mm -hmm. be manipulated. Um, mm -hmm. We don't have the same amount of scrutiny for audio yet, uh, and mm -hmm. the show is suggesting like perhaps we should. And if we can have, and I think there's also variations of this technology which also make video, uh, uh, what's the word? False, false video, fake, fake mm -hmm. video. Um, mm -hmm. so if we can no longer trust audio or video or print, obviously, or photos, um, from what do we get the, our evidence in the world, right? Um, the kind of, I listened to the episode and at the end of it, I felt like the bottom had been pulled out from, uh, from my universe when suddenly nothing observable, I can't trust anything that I haven't observed with my own eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what's funny is that like that feeling that you got, did you have that similar feeling when Photoshop came out? And then that was a thing uh, that all, all photos are fake or they could be fake. I, you know, I didn't get this because I think my, my sense of, well, maybe because I was younger, right. And a little more pliant and, and, uh, didn't, didn't have any, didn't have preconceptions that could be upended that way. But, um, I think part of what the episode really helped me understand was that, anything that I can consume media wise can now be synthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is actually where my kind of vertigo set in. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if it was just, you know, we've been living for a long time where, you know, photos easily falsifiable and yes, you can have experts go in and figure out how oh, the shadow didn't fall in the right direction. And okay. So that's a fake, fake photograph or whatever. I was comfortable with that. Like, uh, okay, that's fine. Photos are in the photos aren't in photos aren't in the club. Right. But videos super hard to falsify, um, audio, you know, also hard to falsify. And now that they're not hard to falsify, and in fact, you know, any consumer who's willing to spend what I suspect is like $2,000 on a Adobe suite, uh, can now fake, uh, fake audio, fake, fake video. Um, 
that's a that's another thing. Um, yes. And there's the faking of it, and then there's, you know, so there's the faking of something that isn't true, mm-hmm. and then there's also the denying of real things as fake. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because once you once you once it is questionable, then everything gets questioned, right? Even the real stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, right. that was photoshopped or or whatever. I didn't say that. And I and I would think that audio would be even easier to fake than voice or video or that it would be easier to fake than photographs or um video because like a lot of times you can you could put enough background noise in and you know fuzz it up enough and mm-hmm. to the point where a person listening to it would listen to it and they would put the pieces together in their mind mm-hmm. um but it's really hard to tell whether it's authentic or not oh that's right and it makes me think too about the what you know they say one of the one of the things about radio and podcasting for that matter um, is what an intimate uh, medium it is Um, because there is something about having someone's voice coming into your ears, like through the earphones that uh, it's, it's a more intimate experience than watching something on video, right? Where you're often literally leaning back as you're observing it. Um, You know, podcasting is like right there in your ears. And Mm -hmm. so people have a different kind of emotional reaction to it, which makes, this kind of technology that much more creepy or disconcerting for me anyway. Yeah. And I can imagine too, like, like all of these like hot, you know, like high tension environments where somebody says something and all of a sudden there's a riot and, Mm -hmm. and how something could set off a a riot um, just with a little bit of fake audio or a fake video. Yep. Yep. That's right. Although there is a, a, there's something about the speed and the ubiquity of the technology, which is also another axis to evaluate this on. Cause like we've had fake news before, right? I mean, like the Gulf of Tonkin, right. Um, you know, there's a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a long and storied history of totally made up news stories that like trigger changes in national policy or, you know, set us to war or thing. you know, that's happened in the past. Um, but the idea that, those tools are not just available to Hearst, but also available to um, any dude in his basement uh, or any woman at work. Um, that becomes uh, it becomes a little spooky. It becomes a little yeah. spooky. And, and even when it's more economical, it's not like one state actor trying to take out a regime or something right. like that. It could be me or not me, but somebody blackmailing somebody else for, you know, it's like, Oh, Hey, how would you like your wife to get a copy of this audio file yeah, that that's right. exists? Yeah. That's and right. yeah, it like, it's a new ransomware thing. So. Although, I mean, you know, the, I guess nature finds its level because in a universe where anyone can invent, you know, compromising audio on somebody, um, that is also a world in which nobody trusts the audio that they're given. Yes. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I, 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 for me, I'm not ready to live in a world where everything is false by assumption, like I, where I have to assume that everything I'm seeing is fake or made up or, or synthesized. Right. Um, yeah. makes me want to, <laughs> makes me want to re- go revisit some of this, some of the college philosophy. Right. As, <laughs> like, yeah. I, um, I'm going to have some long dorm room conversations about the nature of reality and, uh, uh, and lots of references to the matrix and stuff. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's and what is it? Plato in the cave. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 
Um, so, that, but you also felt that, okay, so some of the software that we're talking about, um, this is not an abstract, this is like actual shipping software, right? Like, uh, this Lyrebird you found? Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're in beta right now and mm -hmm. people could try it out, but, uh, I, I, did you get a chance to try the, the, um, the sample? No, I haven't. Have you, have you tried okay. it? Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. Why don't, why don't we, uh, maybe, maybe try a sample out and we'll get your reaction. Okay. Hey, Doc, have you heard about this new technology? Are you speaking about this new algorithm to copy voices? Yes, it is developed by a startup called Wirebird. This is huge. They can make us say anything now, really anything. The good news is that they will offer the technology to anyone. This is huge. How does their technology work? Hey, guys, I think that they use deep learning and artificial neural networks. Hillary is right. And I can tell you that their team is great. I wish them good luck. I'm sure they will do a good job. <laughs> it, sounds, it actually sounds like everyone's drunk. <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone's and, and check super out, slurry yeah go down to the bottom um the intonation ones okay uh da, 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 da. i'm not a robot my intonation is always different <laughs> i am not a robot my intonation is always different <laughs> i'm not a robot my intonation is always different I am not a robot. My intonation is always different. <laughs> That's great. It's a little bit like, like everything's like a little bit slurry and like yeah. kind of off to the side. Right. Um, yeah. but still, yeah, you go, but you can hear this. Yeah. It is a little bit like they're all drunk, but, but you can see like, it's only going to take them a year or two to really clean this up. Um, yeah. The potential is totally there. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Yeah. Huh. And and the intonation being different, I think is really cool too, where, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not like a Stephen Hawking, you know, voice synthesizer, always the same thing every time it's, it's, you could put intonation, you could probably have it be random or have it uh, put emphasis wherever you want. Yeah. Right. Well, and, it, and it's also got me thinking like, what is the audio equivalent of like the bad shadow in a Photoshop, right? Um, you know, you, if you Photoshop a face onto somebody's body, you can tell that it's wrong because the sun was at three o'clock in one photo and 11 o'clock in the other. And so the shadows don't fall right. And you say, oh, okay, well, that's, that's how I know that, 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 uh, that photo has been doctored. I wonder if the intonations themselves would follow a particular pattern. And so you knew that if the intonation will fell in a certain way that it came out of a particular piece of software, um, mm -hmm. or that you could hear intonations being repeated uh, through various sentences. Like I, I'm really curious to hear what I, I assume there is such a thing as audio forensics and I presume that there is a whole, uh, vista of audio forensics specialties, which, which can now be created around, uh, trying to identify, uh, synthetic audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the meantime, like we always had like what rich little and, yeah. and other, yeah, yeah. other people like that, that could probably just be totally even more convincing than what the robots are doing now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Like Norm MacDonald and Bob Dole. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you have this, do you have this, do you have the same affliction I do where, uh, when somebody says Bob Dole, my mind immediately goes to not Bob Dole, but Norm MacDonald as Bob Dole. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like the real person has been totally eclipsed in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Or, um. Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, Billy Crystal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, well, what else is going on? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so this is interesting. So with HP laptops, this is like something from the attic from uh, 
couple weeks ago, but um, the HP laptops covertly log user keystrokes. Yeah, um, I, what is, yeah, yeah, what is that about? I mean, how did they? You don't do that by accident, right? Yeah, right. So it winds up that there's an and it's done by the audio driver. So there's <laughs> that's a, not creepy. <laughs> yeah, right. So there's. Yeah, you would think that if you're going to be creepy, you would use the microphone and the audio driver or something to record files, but it's actually a keystroke logger. And um, and the way it works is that uh, the provider of this chip, uh, Connexent, um, they provide the driver, and uh, it also comes along with, I guess, some diagnostic software called MikeTray64.exe. Mm-hmm. And whenever... Um, and it allows the driver to, you would think that it's, it's an audio driver and it's going to um, just do like audio input and output in the microphone and whatnot. Um, but it also needs to be able to listen to the keys, uh, to the keyboard for like user presses of special keys, like a mute button on your laptop or things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they had this for debugging purposes and, but it wound up that it, what it would do is it would put a log file um, called mictray.log and every time you reboot, the file will get overwritten. But in the meantime, it would log every single keystroke that you typed in um, to that file. Jeez, jeez. And so, what did the so the researchers presumably notified HP and and Connexent about this, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure they did, or it hit the news or whatever. But um, yeah, well, they, it said that uh, both HP and Connexent failed to respond to messages privately uh, reporting the findings. Yeah, which is the last the scandal here, right? Like, yeah. um, I can I can tell myself a story about how people make mistakes when they you know put debugging into the drivers and whatever. But the fact that you don't respond when somebody identifies like a very obvious security vulnerability that's that's no good. It's no good. And that would be red meat for like people that want to, you know, you just have to get into that laptop and you don't even if the disk drive isn't encrypted, you just pop the drive out, you mount it you pull that file out and you have all of the, uh, you know, you capture passwords and all kind of other stuff. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I'm sure that there are some very disappointed state actors once this went public. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, yeah. See. So the, do you know here? anybody that oh, has a pace, oh, good. another pacemaker knows? compromise? Yeah, I I have a friend who has one, and I thought that he programs like That's like my knowledge, you know basically. No, I always thought it was through a telephone. Like you hold the telephone up to your chest, and then it would do like these modemy kind of sounds that would, um, where you could dial in and it would provide like diagnostic information and then reprogram it and all that. I thought, but at least with these here, they do RF, and so you could really. Um, and so I guess when you go in with these pacemakers, the doctors would use RF signals to adjust the pacemakers um, instead of like going in and cutting them open. And, um, and it wound up that, oh, well, it mustn't, it must be pretty difficult to get one of these uh, pacemaker programmers. Right. And so these guys bought a couple off of eBay and um, they bought them, and then they realized that there were over 8,000 known uh-huh. vulnerabilities in third-party libraries across four different pacemaker <laughs> programmers from four manufacturers. Yeah, and there were things like that. None of the pacemaker programmers required passwords, oh, and man. none of them oh, did man. authentication. Um, 
but you know, you would think that well, maybe in some cases where it's an emergency situation, you you don't want to have that. Um, but it was something else uh, that uh, you know that that people could do that. So here's where here's where my mind goes mm-hmm. in learning this is uh, so it, if you could learn how to program one of these pacemakers, which I guess it can't be that hard, um, yes, then you could actually, you know, how like in a Tesla you yeah. can you can like hack it up and like unlock ludicrous mode, yeah, um, like can you unlock ludicrous mode on your heart, right? Yeah, and Just there were like, there were oh, yeah, um, also things like was it like, like I can I can I can pacemaker and there were concerns <laughs> like, about that. I, I, I don't know if they turned off the RF or how that worked, but, um, but you can imagine like you're, you have somebody that has a pacemaker and you're going into uh, like, you know, negotiate with Dick Cheney on something and you could have a state actor, you know, make that person be very uncomfortable, um, either slow them down or dial them up and all that. And it's all RF too. And, you know, so you're not going to see it or hear it or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds yeah. great. It's like living in a William Gibson novel. <laughs> yeah. If, if you could help it. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get a but pacemaker, But I do Dave. have one other thing. I got one last thing. Um, so I don't know if, I if you listened it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to avoid it. Back to yeah. Work 331, where they just went like crazy in depth okay. about scheduling mm-hmm. meetings. Yeah. Yeah. So the one part of that that, you know, a lot of it was just yes. like, yes, I, yes, I know, yes. I get it. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, it's like, oh, you got to have a clean subject. And, um, you know, they spent like, what, a half hour where it was some guy's church group was trying to schedule a social. And um, instead of putting the exact time and the location and the date and who was bringing the snacks and everything, they set it up as an all day meeting with all the details in the subject. And. So, and then, so they spent, it's like, okay, well, how do you approach this person to tell them to, to not do it? And especially in like a church like environment where people are probably volunteers and you don't want to be like the, the, you know, coming down on them for, for doing that. But one of the things that they, they passed on just very briefly, yeah. and I'm like, I got to ask Gunnar about this, is that you know how you have meetings and you always have the meeting reminder like 15 minutes before the meeting starts? Would you like to have the ability to have a reminder five minutes before the meeting is over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a good idea. That That is a very good idea. Although the way my schedule works, uh, I functionally have this in that yeah. the next meeting will actually it's very much me like when the, the, when, this, the when the when the current executive over. Admin, but, assistant um, that would that like would that come idea. in the room and like you know idea. tell the the person that oh yeah your next one's up so it's like another like at least it's like a five minute and and the same thing too is it like you got the fifteen minute notification for the next meeting but that was fifteen minutes before the meeting closes right where here it's like five minutes and it's like look. Mm-hmm. I need to like powder my nose or I need to like just mentally like flush the cash out of my brain. And, you know, we're so often, I don't know about you, but it's like you go from meeting to meeting to meeting without any break at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a helpful default to add. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
No, I like that idea. You know what else they mentioned in that episode, um, which I'm curious what you're, what you're, I yes. thought of you immediately when they started talking about it was, um, how do you account for travel time before a meeting? Do you yeah, build for that me, into I the do, initial meeting um, or do you add it as And I've had to do this where in the past events? when I wasn't like so overscheduled, I would be like, oh, I have a meeting here. And then I would set the reminder that I need to leave two hours. So I'll set instead of a 15 minute alert, which doesn't help me if I'm like an hour away, uh, like in D.C. or something, I would set, oh, give me a reminder one hour out. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that it doesn't block right. out your calendar for that hour for transit time. So like mm-hmm. if you're in the Metro and you're not in radio coverage or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden somebody schedules something. Yep. So for a lot of the more important things where I'm traveling somewhere, I would, I would like actually schedule out that, you know, travel to whatever customer and, and you got to block it out. Mm-hmm. How about you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So I, well, this, this actually got me thinking critically about the problem. Um, I would occasionally block out travel time. Um, although it's also true that even if I am traveling, I can still take a phone call, um, which is in fact, most of my meetings. So that's, it kind of manages itself. Um, although, uh, so, uh, coming up here, I have, I'm actually going to drive to Dallas. Um, and so, uh, in order to prevent mm-hmm. myself from, from getting, from getting booked during, during some of that travel time, I actually did block it out. I actually did block it out, but I find that you're right. The, the reminders are probably yeah, the weakest way of doing that. Cause like it, the meeting may be on the hour, uh, but you may need a half hour to get in the building and get badged uh, and all that right. stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So yeah, tricky. Although I know that the the native Apple calendar actually has travel time as like a built-in thing for the event. Um, so you can say this, this meeting lasts 45 minutes, but there will be 20 minutes of travel oh. time preceding it. And when it's booked, it, it actually shows in, I guess, a lighter color um, when it shows up on your calendar. And so if you were to invite somebody to it, it would only show up with the 45 minutes, you know, for the actual meeting time, but it would give you a... Uh, it would actually give you the travel time blocked off, um, which is a clever way of solving it. Unfortunately, it requires you to yes. use the Apple tools, and I'm not sure if anybody except for the Apple tools understand the uh, understand the the rule. But um, that seems like a, that seems like a nice clean way of of managing it is being able to uh, add. In fact, if you wanted to get super clever about it, you could actually have like Google Calendar. Yes. Yeah, that's which, smart. Since Google knows where I am, uh, they We're could probably actually add a ideas. dynamic travel time to the calendar. Yeah, yeah, which would be yeah, which would be great. Yeah, that that one's free. That one's free. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. All so right. if so people need problem. to get uh, that macaroni and uh, cheese say, recipe wanna, and uh, see some uh, uh, East right. Berlin uh, photographs from 1980s, where do we want to send them? Nice. Yeah, they should go to uh, dgshow.org. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, D and thanks, Dave, everybody, for listening. G is in Gunner. Show.org. All right, man. Thanks, everyone.